When we think of praise, we often think of God and what we do in relationship with Him. What is praise? Simply put, it's the expression of warm approval or admiration of someone. It's all about encouragement and an acknowledgement of something well done. We're often quick to praise our kids and even our heroes, but what about the people we interact with all day long? Thanks for tuning in to the weekly Cross Church podcast. Today, as you listen, we hope you'll be challenged to strive for excellence in all your relationships and find out how to keep them growing healthy and strong. By the way, if you're in the Winnipeg area, we'd love to personally invite you to our most anticipated event of the year, our annual missions banquet. It will take place here at 1787 Logan Avenue, February 26th and 27th at 7 p.m. both nights. If you'd like ticket information, just visit our website at www.crosschurch.ca. Well, this week, Pastor Allen discusses the critical role that praise has in our relationships with one another. You'll discover how you will benefit when you begin to build up all the people in your life. Here now is Pastor Allen with part two of his sermon series titled, healthy relationships. We are uh, continuing on our brand new series called Healthy Relationships, and some wonder if maybe we talk about relationships too much at Cross Church, and um, that makes me chuckle, because here's what you need to know. Everyone struggles in this area, and most people don't even understand it. They don't understand relationships, and so the very uh, simple fact is, is that all of us need help when it comes to our relationships. I was uh, reading some interesting comments from kids ages 7 to 10, and uh, they give their comments concerning love and marriage. And so I thought I'd just share a few this week, and I got a few for next week as well. Uh, By the way, does everybody know that next week's Valentine's Day? Guys, just reminding the guys, because guys don't usually remember that stuff. So guys, get your card this week, and uh, make sure you get some chocolates for her. And... uh, don't get her an appliance, and don't get her books on losing weight or exercise, okay? Just, just, just saying. Okay, so here's what kids say about love and marriage. Glenn, age seven, says, if falling in love is anything like learning how to spell, I don't want to do it. It takes too long. I like that one. Little Kenny, age seven, says, uh, when it comes to love and marriage, he says, it gives me a headache to think about that stuff. <laughs> I'm just a kid. I don't need that kind of trouble. A little manual, uh, age eight, says, I think you're supposed to get shot with an arrow or something. But the rest of it isn't supposed to be so painful. (laughs) Uh, Little May, age nine, says, No one is sure why it happens, but I heard it has something to do with how you smell. That's why perfume and deodorant are so popular. That's why I use it. Uh, Greg, age eight, says, when it comes to love and marriage, he says, Love is the most important thing in the world, but baseball is pretty good, too. Uh, Tom, age five, oh, this, one's, this one's funny. Tom, little, little Tom, age five, says, once I'm done with kindergarten, I'm going to find a wife. So, <laughs> kid's going to get started early. And then finally, uh, <laughs> Mike, age 10, says, on the first date, they just tell each other lies. <laughs> and that usually gets them interested enough to go on a second date. <laughs> So, uh, Jesse, just some advice there. Uh, I owe you, Mads. I owe you so t- The 
The second reason, the second major reason why we've got to talk about relationships, healthy relationship, is because the majority of Scripture is, in fact, about relationships with one another. And a lot of people don't know that. They think that the Bible is all about the end times, all about eschatology and about the four horses of the apocalypse, and they think that's all that the Bible is about, or it's all about sin. But what you need to understand is that the main theme from Genesis to Revelation is about how to have a right relationship with God and how to have a right relationship with one another. So the fact of the matter is, is that virtually every sermon should somehow find its way around to talking about having great relationships. So just so that you know, so if you think we're overdoing it on the relationship thing, the fact of the matter is, is that we could, we could just dwell on this for the rest of our lives and it would be good for us. You say, Pastor Alan, are you sure about that? Well, yeah, I am. Look at, look what the disciple John says in 1 John 4.20. He says, watch this. He says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a, a liar. Man, those strong words. For if we don't love people, we can see how on earth can we, I added that, how can we love God whom we cannot see? So John is telling us that if you want to sum up this Christian faith of ours, you, you need to sum it up like this. It's all about loving each other the way that we love God. And you cannot tell me that you are close to God, that you love God, that you care about God, that you want to please God, if at the same time you're not trying to love the people in your life. See, Pastor Alan, are you sure that's true? Well, that's exactly true. Jesus says that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, and strength. And and of equal importance, you remember that from last week, we need to love others as we love ourselves. So we understand today that relationships and having strong, healthy relationships is critical to our Christian growth and development. So last week we talked about boundaries. In our small group, I think we had probably our best small group meeting uh, ever. The discussion was fantastic. Hannah, uh, one of the people in our group, had an aha moment. Uh, Dennis Prawn in our small group was sharing uh, his view on something, and it was so profound. She said, Dennis, you got to write a book. So that's, that's the kind of discussion we're having in our small group. I hope that you're having great discussion in your small group as well. But understand this, folks, is we can never talk too much about having good and healthy relationships. Now, last week we said, if we're going to have a healthy relationship, then we need to have boundaries. In other words, we've got to respect one another, respect each other, uh, even as we would like people to respect us. And we said uh, uh, last week that it's, it's, it's important to understand the difference between having good relationships and having healthy ones. Now, I've got a lot of friends. I've got a lot of people that I know well, and I would say that we have good or decent relationships. When we see each other, we smile, we wave at each other, we maybe send each other nice emails once in a while, or if there's something funny that comes forwarded on, um, it's good. But I wouldn't necessarily call it healthy. And for so many of us, we think as long as we're not fighting, as long as we're getting along, as long as we're not at each other's throats, then everything's good. I said last week that good is the enemy of the best. And what God wants for your marriage, what God wants for you and your relationship with your children, what God wants for you and your relationship with the people you work with is to have the best relationship. 
And the way that you're going to have the best relationship is by making sure your relationships are healthy. And so that's why we started this series by talking about having boundaries. And if you haven't heard that yet, you can go on the internet, go, go to our website, and you can listen to that first sermon. You need to hear it. Today, what we want to talk about is the importance of praising one another. Now, for some of you, as soon as I say that, your backs go up and say, oh, Pastor, that doesn't sound very theologically correct. That doesn't sound very spiritual. That doesn't sound right. Are you sure, Pastor Allen, that we should be praising one another? Well, listen to this. The Anglican's first book of common prayer, published in 1549, includes these wedding vows. And the couple would make a promise to each other, and the groom would promise to love, cherish, and worship his wife. Did you hear that? Worship his wife. And the bride would promise to love, cherish, and obey her husband. Now, don't get hung up on obey. Let's go back to the word worship. Because that's very interesting. Because you think to yourself, well, hold on a minute here. We're not supposed to worship people. We're supposed to worship God. Well, let me, under- let me first of all explain to you what we mean when we talk about worship, This what we call earthly worship. Worship here means to honor, to acknowledge, in this case, to acknowledge our, my, my wife's uh, worth and her value, It's to praise her, to speak encouraging words to her, but in other words, to value her as the most important person around. Now, guys, let me ask you a question, and and, uh, ladies, just give your guy a a nudge, make sure he's paying attention here. Guys, uh, would you say that you're worshiping your wife the way I explained it to you here? When's the last time you praised your wife? When's the last time you told her how wonderful she is. And, and vice versa. When's the last time, ladies, you told your husband what a wonderful guy he is? I always tell you about how, how uh, um, I'm the best-looking man in the world, uh, the smartest man in the world. Uh, some of you don't know that, but you ask my wife. She'll tell you. She, she tells me this all the time. She praises me all the time, tells me how wonderful I am. And I try to do the same thing to her. And she learned that from her mother, who does that for her dad. And I'll tell you, uh, you're going to see in just a few moments, the power that praise has when we praise one another. Now, when we think of praise, we often think of it as a one-way street. If we're going to praise anything or anyone, we're going to praise God. But the fact of the matter is, is that praise is a fundamental element to every healthy relationship, whether it's with God or with one another. A lot of you don't know this, but the Bible speaks of God praising us. Did you know that? In Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, Jesus says that on the last day when we stand before God, if we've been faithful, God is going to praise us. And here's what God's going to say. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, it comes as a shock. But the fact is, is this is, this is biblical. This is an important part of relationship. We find Jesus praising people for their, for their great faith and for their perseverance. We find, we find Jesus praising the, uh, the John the Baptist. This is, this is a, a fundamental part of healthy relationships. And if you're, not, uh, if you're not convinced yet, you will be in just a moment. Uh, before I go further, can I just point this out? When I say that we're, we are to praise one, one another, I'm not saying flatter each other. Do you, you hear what I'm saying? 
Flattery is saying nice things about people that may or may not be true. You're saying it just, just to maybe win favor with them. You're using it as a means of control or what we would call manipulation. I can, I can get something out of you if I say nice things to you. Flattery is evil. Flattering a person, saying things to them just so that you can get the reaction out of them that you want, that's very evil. It's manipulative. It's satanic. And so I'm not talking about flattering each other. Do you know that flattery has made American Idol many billions of dollars? One of the things, one of, one of the things that makes people watch the show, American Idol, which I think is done, this is the last year of it, um, thankfully, uh, <laughs> is that they show these video clips of people who think they're brilliant stars. See, how many have seen those? You know what I'm talking about. Just wait, just nod if you're too ashamed to admit it. Uh, and what, these people stand up there, and they, and they begin to sing, and they play their whatever, and, and they think that they're the next rock star. Meanwhile, they sound ridiculous because somebody told them that they are brilliant, that they are a wonderful musician. In fact, there are some parents who, who believe that what they need to do is they need to just tell their kids anything their kids want to hear. Now, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about doing that. And so these poor kids, the judges all burst out laughing and <laughs> can't believe what this person's doing in front of them. And the kid is standing there shocked. Like, why are they laughing at me? In fact, the poor contestant doesn't even realize that they're laughing at him because his mother told him that he's a brilliant singer. Mom and dad flattered their son and made their son believe that he's the next American idol. I'm not talking about doing that. I'm talking about legitimate, genuine praise when somebody does something right. In fact, here is the definition of praise to help you, to guide you in how to talk to one another. Watch this. The definition of praise is simply the expression of warm approval or admiration of someone. This comes right out of the dictionary an expression of warm approval or admiration of someone. It is all about encouragement and an acknowledgement of something well done. So let me ask you a question. When is the last time that you praised your husband? When's the last time you praised your children? For some of us, the only thing that we say to our kids is, you stupid kid, take out the garbage. What's wrong with you? Your shoes are in the way. And and can't you dress better than that? Put on some pants with, that haven't got holes in them. And, and on and on we go. And then your room is a mess and you're stinking. Put on some deodorant and go wash your hair and, and so on and so forth. Then you hanging out with those friends again and stop watching TV. And then we wonder why our kids don't want to talk to us. Why they, don't, they want to avoid us. They see us coming, they go the other way. Because the only thing that comes out of your mouth is judgment, condemnation, put, put down, Unkind words, you know what I'm talking about. In fact, if, if, if you're the kind of person that's constantly judging and condemning and putting people down, then everybody's going to avoid you. They're going to avoid you like the plague. And people come to me, Pastor, I don't know why I don't have any friends. I don't want no, nobody wants to talk to me. Nobody likes me. Praising one another, encouraging one another, is a fundamental part of our Christian faith. It's what produces healthy relationships. Now, I want to read to you a passage of Scripture. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and here's what he says. 
He says, don't use foul or abusive language. Now, I know many people who grew up in a home where the mom and dad only ever used foul and abusive language. You stupid kid, you effing this and effing that. It's shocking. And some of you sitting here today, that's how you grew up. That's, all, that's the language you heard in your home all the time. And the sad thing is, for some of you, you, you started doing it too because that's what you're used to. But Paul says this. Now, this is, you need to listen to these words. He says, let everything you say be good and helpful. Did you hear that? There's no footnote in my Bible. There's no asterisk beside the word everything that says, well, there are exceptions. Paul says, let everything you say be good and helpful. So let me ask you that question today. Is what you are saying good and helpful, or is it abusive? Is it foul? Is it put-downs? Is it sarcasm? There's some people who can't talk except in sarcasm and put-downs. And Paul says, not for Christians. If you're a follower of Christ, that everything you say be good and helpful. Why? Listen to this. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And Paul goes on to say, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. What's Paul saying here? He's saying that you will actually sadden the Spirit of God. You will actually grieve the Spirit of God by the way that you treat people and the way you talk to them. Wow. And then he goes on to say this, get rid of all bitterness, all rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. But you see the, you see the picture that Paul's painting for us here. He's painting a picture of, of believers who are sweet, not sickly sweet, but the kind of sweet where you want to be around that kind of person. When you see that person in the room, you find yourself wanting to make a, a, a beeline across the room to that person because whenever you're in the presence of that person, they always make you feel better. He always makes you feel better. She always makes you feel better. You know what I'm talking about? Where there's others, when you see them come into the room, you just got, you got to, I got to go hide. I want to hide behind somebody. You don't want to make eye contact because the last thing you want is to have that person coming up to you and then rant and rave about whatever thing that's bothering them now. What kind of a person are you? Are you the kind of person using foul language, putting people down, abusive, angry, bitter? Paul says, Ephesians 4.29, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Have you ever seen a person who rages? They just go hysterical. They, a, a temporary madness hits them, and, and they're yelling and swearing and swinging. They're beat red, and they're angry, harsh words. They're slandering. They're putting people down. They're slandering you. They're, they're calling you all kinds of names and using all kinds of descriptions that are evil. Paul calls all of this evil behavior. And Paul is saying that this, has, this is no place for this in the life of the believer. Instead, Paul says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, why do you think that the Apostle Paul has to tell us this? I'll tell you why. Because being a nice person doesn't come naturally to us. 
or most of us. He's got to tell us this because he knows what the human nature is. If you knew the Apostle Paul before he became a Christian, actually, this is him. He was a bitter, angry, raging man, killing Christians because he disagreed with with their religion, slandering. Paul calls all of this evil behavior. And some of you sit here today, I'm a good person. I don't kill, I don't murder, I don't lie, cheat, or steal. And Paul's saying, well, what about what comes out of your mouth? Paul is actually putting this in the same category as as the, the most heinous sorts of crime or sin. He calls it evil behavior. And so he says, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Building each other up is supposed to be a regular part of the Christian life. Legitimate praise for something well done. Do you know that you and I have been created in the image of God? And when you and I take the time to praise one another, what we're doing is we are acknowledging God in one another. So let me ask you the question again. When's the last time you praised your kids? I said, Pastor Allen, the truth be known, the last thing I want to do is praise my kids. I like to wring their necks, but I'm not in the mood for praise. You, you should see their room, Pastor Allen. The room is a stinking mess. I've told them repeatedly clean up that mess. I, I've called them names. I've called them pigs. And, and you wonder why you don't have a good relationship with your kids. We're called to praise one another. And you know, I be, really became aware of this when Gloria and I first got married. Um, my in-laws are here today. I didn't know they were going to be here. So I have to change what I'm going to say. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> when we first got married, we used to get cards from her mom and dad. And one of the things that they would always write in there is, we're really proud of you. And that's something I wasn't used to. I wasn't, being, I wasn't used to being told that. And I, I, I tried to get Gloria to explain that to me. I, I wasn't used to it. It, kind of, it. it sort of annoyed me. Because it, it, I wasn't used to it, and it didn't, I didn't know, is this just words, empty, empty words, empty platitudes? And uh, i got to tell you, uh, as time went on, I began to understand these were not empty words. This is a, a genuine and sincere expression from the hearts of my, my, my mother and father-in-law. A true, true Praise, if you will. Appreciation for daughter and son-in-law. And I've come now to, to love getting cards from my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. Never, 26 years, never have I had a word of discouragement. Only ever praised and appreciated. I can tell you, I love my mother and father-in-law. It's I don't know who who told you to come here today, (laughs) maybe something from the first service, but I love my mother and father-in-law because I always am praised, always appreciated. So here, let me give everybody a secret here. You want to get close to your wife, your husband, your children? You want to have a good relationship with the people you work with? Start praising them and make sure it's genuine and sincere, not flattery. Not empty, insincere flattery, but the real thing. But you say, Pastor John, you know, I'm really not comfortable with this. I, I'm not used to this. We used to send Janet and Denny, when we first met Janet and Denny, we'd always send them thank you notes, thank you cards. 
and just expressing to them our appreciation for them and praising them for the good things that they'd done and how they served the church and so on and so forth. And finally, Denny said to me one day, stop harassing us with those thank you notes. Now, of course, he doesn't do that anymore because I send them anyway. But he's just not comfortable with that, not used to that. Now, perhaps the reason why we are not comfortable with being praised is that maybe we're afraid that uh, we will cause people to get a fat head. You know what I'm talking about. We, we don't want them to become too proud. Or maybe we're afraid that uh, we're going to get the disease of the Pharisees. Jesus described the Pharisees like this. He, Jesus described them as people who love the praises of men more than the praises of God, John, 14, or John 12, 43. Now, I don't, I don't think I need to, to belabor this point, but obviously... I'm not suggesting that you and I need to go looking for praise. I'm not saying that today. What I am saying, however, is that you and I need to give praise to the people in our lives. Understanding, and I think we all understand this, understanding that ultimately we're looking for the praise and the approval of God. Amen? Obviously, that's what we're doing. Paul himself says this in Galatians 1.10, am I now looking for the praises of men? If I'm looking for the praises and the approval of men, then I'm not and cannot be a servant of God. No, obviously, we're not saying go out looking for praise like the Pharisees were. Look at to say that it's not good to praise people is like saying it's not good to feed your children in case they become fat. It's ridiculous. The best thing that can happen to these kids is that these kids be given a healthy diet, that they're fed lots of good, healthy food. But the operative word here, folks, the key word is healthy. As we're talking about healthy praise. Healthy praise of your children reinforces great behavior and great achievements, which will build them up and will, in fact, motivate them to continue to be good and do good and to improve. And so it is with everybody in your life. My wife keeps telling me how wonderful I am, and I try to to live up to that. I try to be a better man, a better husband. In fact, I say that Gloria has made me the man that I am because she praises me when I get it right. And when I get it wrong, she keeps her mouth shut, usually. (laughs) And I hope that I do the same thing for my wife. Folks, praising one another, encouraging each other, building each other up, this is a biblical idea. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of behavior. Instead, do what? Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Now, I'm going to state the obvious. We're not supposed to be putting each other down. Do I remember uh, church business meetings? I don't know, some of you maybe have grown up in the church and you remember these things. We don't have it here at our church. We maybe did in the first few years. But in many churches across this country, across the U.S., one, one day a year is called the annual business meeting. And so those of you who grew up in the church, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's the one day in the whole year when every, all the members of the church can come together and they can roast the pastor. And I can remember when the annual meeting came around, I would actually get, I'd feel like sick, physically sick, 
nauseated. I couldn't, I didn't want to eat. I got a little bit shaky because you never knew what was going to happen. And that one day in the year when it's like hell had its way and the pastor could be beaten up and chopped up and you didn't do this and you didn't do that. And you, why didn't you visit me when I was in the hospital and the music's too loud and the music's too quiet and it's not fast, it's too slow, too many amps, too many courses. Why are we using an overhead? Why aren't we using a hymn book? Why, why is there this and why? And it goes on. Why is it, who painted that wall and who, how come he's an usher and how come she's the superintendent and I want to be the superintendent because go on and on like this. Thank God we don't have that today. But some people think that they can justify their foul and abusive words and language. And Jesus says that should have no part of that. It should not be a part of the Christian life. You know, when I think of my school years, I can, I can remember, I can't remember all my teachers, but I can remember some of them. And basically the teachers I can remember fit into one of two categories. There were the teachers that were amazing. They were loving. They were motivational. You love to go to school every day because you love to see that teacher. That teacher was so kind to you. And then there was the other kind of teacher who was uh, spawn of the devil. <laughs> Mrs. Lothar, I was telling Carolyn and Barry about a teacher I had in, in uh, elementary school. Mrs. Lothar, a most amazing music teacher. And we had music, I think, two times a week. And it was my favorite time of the week because that teacher, when she got us together, she would look us all in the eye, she would smile at us and get and teach us new songs and, and inspire us with climb every mountain. I won't sing it for you. Uh, climb every mountain and, and these magnificent songs with magnificent words. And then she would say, you are a marvelous singer. You did a great job and you're, you'd be perfect for the part in my play that I want to put on. And so that's why I said, yes, I will be Mr. Banks in Mary Poppins. I was happy to do whatever. Whatever she said, I would do it because she was that kind of a, a teacher. She knew how to motivate by praising her students. I don't remember her ever saying a nasty word to any of the kids in our class. And some of them, you know, quite frankly, I thought deserved it. But she, that's, that was not her way. And then I moved on to, to, uh, to high school. There was a teacher by the name of Mr. Wedlake actually a cousin to Marilyn Wedlake. He was, again, one of the most amazing teachers. And he, he would give you projects and say, you are capable of doing this project. I designed all of Elmwood. I don't know if anybody here from Elmwood, that's where I grew up, but I designed a brand new community in Elmwood. He said, this is one of the best things I've ever seen. I'm going to keep your project. I have to put it on display. And all the, all the, for all the years after, after this year, they're going to look at your project as the project to emulate. I don't know if you said that to all the students, but man, I'd, I'd do anything for that teacher because he knew how to praise and how to lift me up. And then there was demolition demetrician. Now, demolition is not his first name. It was the name we gave him. Demetrician was his last name. And we called him demolition demetrician because his way of motivating his students was not by saying good job. His way of motivating the students was through humiliation and violence. You say, violence, really? Yeah, he was the kind of teacher that if you were not getting it, I mean, you'd be sitting there listening to every word, and if he thought you looked puzzled, he'd take his chalk and huck it at you. And, and you know, your students in class doing this all the time. It's dodging chalk. It was missiles coming through the air. And if you still couldn't understand what he was talking about, he'd say, get up to the blackboard. Has anybody remember those days? Get up to the blackboard so that you could be humiliated in front of everybody. 
And then if you still didn't get it, then he would start calling you names and putting you down. I'm going to tell you, folks, you know this as well as I do, that being praised and encouraged in a sweet and kind and gentle way is the way to motivate your children and to motivate your spouse and motivate the people you work with to greatness. When's the last time you praised your spouse or praised your kids? The fact of the matter is, is that we don't feel comfortable with it. And yet this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Let me ask you a question this morning as we close. You think of what God has forgiven you. Think of what you've done. Think of the things you've asked God to forgive you of. Now let me ask you this. Don't you think you should be forgiving the people in your life who have let you down, who have failed you, who have not been the kind of people you think they ought to be? Folks, this is Christianity 101. And if you can't get this, then you can't advance. You cannot grow spiritually. You need to learn how to treat the people in your life. And it begins by telling people in your life that you love them and you care about them. Here's what I'd like you to do before you go today. I'd like you to stop for a moment and think of the people you take for granted. It might be your wife, maybe your husband, maybe your kids. I want you to take a moment to say thank you. Not here now, but when, when, we, when we sign off, when we, when we say goodbye. Go from this place, maybe at lunchtime, and look your wife or your husband in the eyes and say, here's something I'm just really thankful to God for about you. Praise him. Praise her. Now, for some of you, you're going to giggle and laugh. It's going to be strange. You won't know how to cope with that. It's strange. I don't know how to do that. You remember me telling you about my grandma? I told my grandma, Grandma, you tell me. Alan, you're the best grandson a grandmother would ever want. And she looked at me like I was asking her to jump off a bridge. It was like I, she was not going to tell me that I was a good grandson. You know what she did instead? She started to laugh. And she was giggling because she, was, she just felt so awkward about this. It doesn't come natural or easy to us. She never did tell me what a wonderful grandson I was, but she did buy me lunch that day. So I'm going to take that as something. Do it. Praise your husband. Praise your wife. You, some of you, you were fighting with your kids on the way to church. Praise them. Tell them what good, good kids they are. Your kids are probably not like you. They're different than you. and You maybe wish that they were different. You know what? Acknowledge that they have been created in the image of God. They are who God has created them to be. And tell them that you love them, you're proud of them. Tell the people you work with the same thing. Would you stand with me, please? Let's pray. Father, We don't want to be people who are guilty of being full of bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander. We know, God, this is evil behavior, and yet some of us will justify it 
by saying that the people that we are getting angry at deserve it. And yet your word says, let everything you say be good and helpful. God, we pray today that you give us the grace to speak words, that every word that comes out of our mouths would be useful for building people up and encouraging them, that it would benefit them. We thank you today for the grace of your Holy Spirit who enables us. We know, Lord, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we pray, God, that our hearts will be filled with grace so that we may speak words that are full of grace so we can bless the people in our lives and have the healthy relationships you've called us to have. We pray that in Jesus' name. Everyone say it with me. Tell the person beside you, I'm so happy to see you today.